I'm excited to talk to you guys about this. So a little preface about this talk is as we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, this one's going to focus a little bit more on like who Jesus is and how he's gentle. And then we're going to talk a little bit at the end about like how we act that out in our own lives. So huge focus on Jesus, but I think that's always like a really good place to start to inform how we go about being gentle. Because if we just like try and figure out what it is and we don't see it modeled for us correctly first, a lot of times we come to a wrong conclusion. So looking at Jesus and the word of God, always good. Um, So as we get started, I'm going to invite you just to do a little bit of a thought exercise in your own head. We're not necessarily going to shout it out because we'll have time to like talk in groups at the end. Um, But if somebody were to ask you, how would you describe yourself? What would you say? Would you describe your likes and your dislikes? Would you start with your hobbies, your major? Would you talk about your hair, your eyes, your style or aesthetic? Right? Like, how would you describe yourself? And then if someone were to ask you, who are you at the very core of your being? How would you answer that? If you were to look past the outward appearance and interest to the very center of who you are, how would you describe yourself? Like, sometimes it gets hard, right? Like, it's very easy to describe ourselves outwardly. Like, I'm Jackie. I like to run and I like books. I was an English major. That'll probably make a lot of sense as we get going because I like to describe things way too much, um, et cetera, et cetera. But then when it's like, who are you at the very core of your being? We struggle a little bit more sometimes. Now, taking that same idea, how would you describe Jesus? If you were just to think about him, or you would have a friend on campus say, like, who is Jesus? Think about how would you describe him? It turns out we're really good at describing Jesus' likes and dislikes, right? We know he, did, he doesn't like sin. He didn't really like those Pharisee guys. Um, we can describe his profession. We know he was a carpenter. We know he wore sandals, so maybe like a desert aesthetic, right? All of those things are good to know, but sometimes we fail to look at the very core of who Jesus is. And if we get that wrong, our whole perception of him can be skewed. So it's important for us to know who we're following, right? And really know him from the core, not just those outward descriptors. So this talk is something that's really been encouraging me personally. And I try to focus on kind of starting last summer and on something I've been studying. And so that's, I'm sharing because it was a blessing to me. Hopefully it's an encouragement to you as well. Um, So we're going to look at the gospel specifically that tell us who Jesus is. And really we're going to zero in on a couple of verses where Jesus describes himself to us, which is really important because it's who he says that he is, right? So we're going to look at Matthew 11. Our text today is just three short verses, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is what Jesus says about himself. So, I'm going to pause here really quick and say many of the thoughts I'm going to share today are not original to me. They were a blessing to me as I was studying. Um, But a lot of this comes from Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. So if you like it, I encourage you to go read that book because he's going to say everything way better 
then a Jackie can say it, right? I'm also gonna say, if it's super profound, that might be Dane Ortland, and that's okay. We can, we can learn from him, and I can communicate that, but a lot of these are his thoughts, so I don't wanna like be profound, and then y'all think, wow, she's smart. She's not, she just reads lots of books, cool. Uh, Huh? Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Dane Ortland. And it's called Gentle and Lowly, which we'll say those words over and over, so you'll get it. Uh huh. It's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. All good questions. Yeah, so I super recommend that book. Um, and in his book, he offers this thought about this passage in Matthew 11. He says, my dad pointed out to me something that Charles Spurgeon pointed out to him. In the four gospel accounts given to us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters of biblical text, there's only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. We learn much in the four gospels about Christ's teaching, we read of his birth, his ministry, his disciples, we're told of his travels and prayer habits. We find lengthy speeches and repeated objections by his hearers, prompting further teaching. We learn of the way he understood himself to fulfill the whole Old Testament, and we learn in all four accounts of his unjust arrest and shameful death, an astonishing resurrection, but in only one place, perhaps the most wonderful words ever uttered by human lips, do we hear Jesus himself open up to us his very heart. And it's this scripture, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. So I'm going to read it again because repetition is what makes us stick in our minds and our hearts, right? It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's the one place in the Bible where the Son of God pulls back the veil and lets us peer way down into the core of who he is. And we're not told that he is austere and demanding in heart. We're not told he's exalted and dignified in heart. We're not even told that he's joyful and generous. Letting Jesus set the terms, his surprising claim is that he is gentle and lowly in heart. So this is how he describes himself to us. Well, to his followers who wrote it down then to us. So this is super important because if we're going to know Jesus and we're going to follow him, we really need to know who we're following, right? We shouldn't just blindly follow somebody and know nothing about them. We should know who we're following. And when we talk about Jesus' heart, it's important for us to know the idea of heart is different than how we would describe heart today. We just had like a holiday, right? We might love it, might want to leave it, but Valentine's Day happens. And a lot of times when Valentine's Day comes around, we think of like heart as far as romantic love. Or when it's not Valentine's Day, a lot of times we think of our heart as like our feelings and emotions and stuff. Um, but this word that Jesus uses is cardia, which literally means the mind, the character, the inner self, the will, intention, and center. So it's that part of him that is the place inside where desires become decisions and impact what flows out, right? So it's like the whole center of who he is that affects everything that he does. That's what he means by heart. So he's not just like, my feelings are gentle and lowly. He's like, the core of who I am, everything my actions flow from is gentle and lowly. So the center of his whole being is, is these two words, gentle and lowly. And we're talking about them in tandem because really to have 
gentleness, we, we need lowliness, which another word for that is humble. If we're not humble, it's really hard to be gentle. And so I think he describes himself as those in tandem, but then as we want to live out gentleness, we need to have those in tandem as well. Because if we're proud, it's going to be really hard to treat other people with gentleness. Um, so what do these words mean? We're going to look at it. The word used for gentle here is the same word that we see in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5.5, 5, where it says the meek shall inherit the earth. And a lot of times when we think about meekness, like what's it rhyme with? Weakness, right? And like a lot of times when we use that word, we think of something that's like weak or shy or not very assertive. Um, but in biblical meekness, in biblical wording, meekness is not just weakness, but rather it's referring to God exercising his strength under his control. So instead of this like puny, shy thing that we might picture when we hear the word meek, it is like the biggest, strongest God, but he's choosing to act under control. That's, that's what we're thinking of there with the word meek. Um, so it's the blend of gentleness and strength coming together is what we're talking about. So we need to know that Jesus is gentle. He's, strength, he's strong, but that strength is expressed in control without any harshness. So many of us have grown up with a picture of Jesus that's harsh or easily offended or easily put out. And instead, he's gentle. He's meek. Ortland says he is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a point of finger, but open arms. And that's so important for us to know. So important. So the word we're looking at in tandem with gentleness is lowly. And that word overlaps and interweaves into the meaning of gentle. That's why we're talking about them together, right? It's most often translated as, as humble, and I truly think after like years of studying scripture and stuff, if there was one word, you had to pick like one word to describe Jesus' character, like humble would be that word. He's humble. And a lot of times it's hard for us to think of Jesus as humble or lowly is the word that Ortland uses. But we're going to hold on to this thought and think about it for a second so we can kind of unpack what we mean by that. So we're talking about God incarnate, God wrapped in human flesh, who left his throne in heaven to come to earth. He went through the birth process, which is like cool but messy. He was born in a stable, and he lived as the son of a carpenter, a blue-collar worker. Y'all, this is God. He could have been chosen to be born in a palace, and instead he was welcomed into a place where livestock were kept and ate their food. And he came to love and save people who so often, then and now, reject him or disregard him. Jesus is humble. And for me, like this really was driven home to me several years ago when my son was like three or four. He's 16 now, so it's been a minute. Um, but somebody gave us one of those little Bible board books, you know, like little toddler books that they read. It was a Christmas story. And so he got it, he came home, we were sitting on the couch and he crawled up in my lap and he was like, read me this book, right? And his little like preschool self. And so we're reading the Christmas story. And I got to the part where Mary wraps Jesus in swaddling clothes and lays him in a manger. And Thomas, my son, goes, no. And I'm like, okay, what, what's going on? And then he goes, a baby does not 
belong in a barn. Like adamant. Like he is angry. And I, and I was like, it's okay. You know what I'm like, gonna keep reading? He goes, no. Babies don't go in barns. And he wasn't talking about the son of God, y'all. He was talking about any baby. He's like, no baby. Babies don't get born in barns. And at the time, his sister was like, itty bitty. And he said, don't take her to barns. Like, and he's like, she doesn't sleep in barns. Like, and he was just so offended by this idea of like a tiny baby being in this place where there was like stinky animal poo. And so we talked about this for a little bit and, you know, like I'm explaining it to him and I think it just drove home the point that I'm like, this isn't even any baby. This is like Jesus, the son of God. And he was born in this really humble way. And I think the point of that was to communicate to us his, his humility, the set the tra- trajectory for the rest of everything he did. And so like, it was one of those things that it was so simple and so cute. But, like, it really changed the way I read the Christmas story. And, like, up until that point, I got to be honest, like, I'd read it so many times, taught it, acted it out in passion plays. Like, like all of the things, like, Jesus being born and laid in a manger. And it kind of had just become this thing that I didn't think deeply about. And ever since then, I can't not think about it, right? Ever since then, like... Even just like reading the Christmas story with our family at Christmas time, the part where like Mary wraps Jesus in swaddling cloths and lays him in manger, like I get kind of choked up. So I'm like, wow, Jesus, like you didn't have to do it that way. But like there's intention behind that. And it communicates just the humility that we see throughout the rest of his life. And like the really cool thing about the fact that Jesus is gentle and lowly is that he means it means he's accessible. He's accessible. He isn't high and mighty. He's not too good to talk to us. He doesn't push us aside and be like, you need to get your act together. He's gentle. He's lowly, and that's the crux of his entire being. And we can see that's true, not just because he describes himself this way, but because he came to earth to pursue a relationship with us when, honestly, not one of us deserved it. It's not like it's like those bad people, like Mario was talking about the Ninevites. It's not those bad people. It's like we're, we're all in need of God. We're all in need of him. We all fall short. And he still wanted to know us and relate to us and did so in like the humblest possible way. So why is this important? It's important because we so easily forget who we're following. And um, like for me, I think this is really true and this is where I came to studying this from is like, I forgot, honestly. Like y'all, it's been a hard year. And then, like, as I sat down to process, it's been a hard year. Like, it's been a hard few years. And, um, like, like really, I was thinking about it. It's, like, back to 2018, so a minute, right? Like, in September of 2018, my mom called me, and she had been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and proceeded to get very sick and pass away in a fairly short amount of time. And, like, we hear these stories of people who are sick, and, like, they struggle through it, but we, like, see the beauty in it. And, and like they come to peace with all of it and things end well and it's like a sad tear jerky but like hopeful Hallmark movie, right? Like that was not our experience. Like that didn't, it did not go well. It was really hard. It was kind of like one of those like messy things that nobody wants to see in a movie, right? And then it's like since then, it's like my life has found new and creative ways to continue to blow up. Like you just think my life blew up. What on earth? And it's like every time our family starts to get our feet beneath us, something else happens. And like, it's continuing. And, and so like, honestly, 
in the course of that, there was just so many comments and it really started I think as I was like praying about this with the Lord when my mom was dying it's just like people want to say something I think it's well meaning it's like I really give people the benefit of the doubt usually mean well but like they would like say something and it just would hurt they're like it's God's will and I'm like you're not sitting in the hospital next to the bed watching this and like you cannot offer some platitude and I'm just like thank you that makes all the pain go you know and it's like people meant well but then they would like say too much and it ended up causing hurt I see some nods we've been there right so like from the bottom of my heart this may not be a popular thing but if you got a friend going through something like just be with them if the Holy Spirit doesn't speak it to you probably don't just don't say words just minister presence right because sometimes like we want it's uncomfortable we want to make it better. We don't like seeing people suffer. So then we like try, but it's like, man, if that thing's from not from God, probably it was from the bottom of my heart. Because like there's been a lot of well-meant comments that you're like, and I'm like, God bless them, teach them. I'm going to take a walk, right? Like, like that kept happening and continues to happen. I've not even processed all of it. And then you guys, there was so much well-meant, but like terrible advice. Because I, I say, like, my life has continued to blow up. If I followed this advice, it would be so much worse. Like, so much worse. Like, but people are like, you just need to... And I'm like, they maybe don't know. Like, pause, pray about that advice. It might be from the Lord, but if it's not, don't do it. Um, and so, life most days felt like chaos and confusion. But then when I sit down with Jesus and I take time to remember who he says he is, it changes things. So back during the summer, um, this is like one of the particularly like really hard in the hard days. Um, Matt and Thomas, my son, were in Egypt. My girls were still in bed. So I just had like this beautiful moment of like nothing's happening, which like that doesn't happen in my life. There's just always something going. And so like I sat at the kitchen table, which is my place. And I like opened my Bible and my journal and truthfully just started to weep because it had been one of those weeks where like people were peopling right and they were saying just things but you're like that's not really helpful like you know and and like it just hurt and I was sitting there with the Lord and I was like God I just need you I don't know what to do in this situation and he spoke to me and like I'll share what he spoke it's really not deep or profound it wasn't like Jackie this is the way you should walk walk in it okay he said like I love you and you're welcome with me that was it but it was like, I just sat there and it changed everything. Now, it didn't change the situation, but my perception of everything happening in the situation began to shift because it was like in all the times that I felt like maybe talked at or unwelcome. Because we've been through some things that like, you know, Mario was talking about the gut reaction, right? Like in our family that people are like, mm, right? But then the Lord was like, I'm not like that. Like, you're welcome. You can bring the whole mess, and I love you. And man, it was so good to hear, because I had just forgotten in the midst of all the chaos that, like, he's gentle, and he's accessible. Um, so it changed, it changed things. It reminded me he's right there in the middle of it with us, and I can trust that he's gently going to guide us through, and even in the moment since then, because there's some moments that things are still super hard. There's moments when I don't see what he's doing or I don't feel him necessarily in that moment. I can trust that he loves me and remind myself that he's so gentle and humble and loving and understanding. He's not going to forsake me. 
he's not going to forsake me. And so maybe you can relate, right? Maybe you've been in a situation where well-meaning people have said some pretty harsh things to you. And while you didn't probably mean for it to happen, those things have maybe clouded your vision of Jesus and you've begun to think that Jesus is like his people. He's not, okay? We're supposed to be like him. We're not supposed to tell people that Jesus is like us. And we cannot confuse those two. We really can't. Or sometimes we didn't have a very clear picture of who Jesus was to begin with. Like maybe you had a complicated relationship with your parents or family or a teacher or a coach. And you didn't mean to, but you accidentally end up assuming that every authority figure, including the Lord, is going to be that same way as that complicated relationship that you had. And so maybe that's made you feel like Jesus is this way towards you. Or maybe you went to church and the teaching was harsh. It's not always harsh, okay? I like church. I like Christians. Love you guys. Um, But maybe this particular time it was harsh, and before the truth had a chance to sink into your soul, you felt wounded and unwelcome. And so that skewed your perception, right? Or maybe you hit a place during COVID lockdown where you just saw how hateful the world got. I don't know about you guys. I used to like social media. And then like COVID happened and it's like everyone got so angry and continues to be so angry that I like don't really log on anymore because I'm just like, I like you better if we talk face to face and like keyboard crusaders are not keyboard crusaders usually face to face. They're a little bit nicer, right? And so I'm like, I just, I'm I'm not, not doing that, right? Because the world got so angry. Everyone got so opinionated all the time and it's just exhausting. And then we start to think that like God's this keyboard crusader throwing his opinions and we forget he's gentle. So if you've been through one of those situations, please, please, please don't let these things or the way people have treated you shape your understanding of who Jesus is. He's so much more, right? And we need to go to scripture and to who, who he says he is and let that shape our understanding of who he is. It tells us he's gentle and lowly, that his arms are open to you and he wants to be in your life, whatever your life looks like right now, right? It might be a mega mess or it might be squeaky clean or probably it's like somewhere between those two, right? And so the beginning of this passage offers one important note about who Jesus says he is to us. He's not this way to just anyone but to those who come to him. He says in verse 28, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. So his first few words are come to me. It's an invitation for us to come to him, to get to know him and experience him as our gentle and lowly savior. But we have to come, right? If we don't come and like bring the mess to him, we don't have an opportunity to experience that gentleness. Right? If we if we keep it at arm's length, we just we don't experience it. But if we come, then that's when we begin to experience the gentleness. And so all of that is kind of who Jesus is. Now we're gonna shift just a little bit to like repping him well with gentleness, okay? But we needed that foundation of who he is, because I think sometimes we just hear the word gentleness and we think, like, man, that's just like not speaking up, right? Or like leaving the truth behind. And just being like, like nice, but not ever like holding on to truth and acting it out. But like when we understand Jesus's gentleness, we can live gentleness a little bit more clearly, right? 
So I'm going to challenge you guys to do that today. So we want to model it well. And I think, as I was thinking about this, often we can think of ways that others haven't been gentle with us. Like, it's really easy to stop and think and be like, well, they were kind of harsh about that. Or, man, like, that person treated that person bad. But it's really hard to look at ourselves and be like, I could be more gentle in this way. Or I was a little harsh there. And so it's kind of like one of those introspections that's not comfortable for us. So I encourage you, as you begin to look at Jesus and see how he's gentle and humble, ask him to begin to grow those same attributes in your life and show you ways to walk that out. So what does that look like? I think we look at the ways Jesus interacted with those around him. Um, Two examples that came to mind, okay, we're like the John 8 lady. We at, at our church in our calf, we like to call her the John 8 lady because I don't really like identifying people with their sin. Right? And so... For those of you guys that maybe don't have all of John memorized, that's fine. I don't either. She's the lady that was caught in adultery, right? But the John 8 lady, she gets brought before him. She gets brought before Jesus. And he doesn't hit her with tons of condemnation and be like, I can't believe you committed adultery. Do you even want to honor God with your life? Like, that's not what he does, right? Instead, he bends down and he, like, draws in the dirt. And he tells them, if, if any of you guys haven't sinned, then like, you go ahead, stoner. And they all leave. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Like, go and sin no more. How gentle. Like, really embarrassing situation. And he just completely diffuses it. Right? And like, I love that. That's the savior we have. And then I think about um, when Jesus met Matthew at the tax collector's booth. And he, he didn't walk up and be like, wow, bro, this is like a horrible job choice. Like, way to really treat your people bad. Like, he didn't do that, right? Instead, what does he say? He says, come, follow me. Doesn't that sound a lot like what we're talking about in Matthew 11, where he says, come to me? He sees this guy, and he's like in this profession that's like basically exploiting his own people. And instead of being like, hey, you're doing this wrong, he's like, hey. Come follow me. And we see over and over in scripture, like with Zacchaeus, he's like, bro, I'm going to have lunch with you today, right? And we constantly see Jesus, instead of treating people harshly, inviting them in to his life and, and coming in close and interacting. And I think there's something for us to learn there about gentleness where like there's like a real interaction, I think that's a lot of times why we can get so harsh in contexts where it's like online, we don't see people face to face because there's something about like community and like face to face connection that like helps us be gentle and we remove from that. It's so much easier to forget and be harsh. Um, and so like we, we see this, the world has enough harsh people and we can follow Jesus and be different by loving and sharing the truth with others gently even in those moments where we're like mad or we might want to snap back or someone treats us harshly and we, you know, like, I don't know about you guys, but somebody treats me harshly, my gut reaction is not like, oh, that's okay. You know, like, it's like, stop. And so like, we can, we can like choose to like take a second and um, like my kids could tell you, it's like, you can visibly see if I'm like ruffled, this is, that's a very pretty word, right? If I'm mad and I'm trying to like calm down so I can respond gently, and it literally looks like a lot of times I'm driving because I 
have three teenagers and they always have to be places. If I'm driving and somebody says something and I'm just like, And in that moment, though, it's like pausing and giving the Holy Spirit a moment to work and be like, how do I actually want to respond, right? Because I don't want to just react, but I want to like take a second and be like, how do I respond to this in a way that's like constructive? Because if I just go off, like nothing's really going to be accomplished, right? And like instead, if I can respond gently, like it could be a moment to like learn from. And um, really one of the, the best advices I've learned about this is like from a dear friend of Matt and I's um, named Justin Baker. He's a doctor. He was at St. Jude. Now he's at Stanford. And he is a cancer doctor, oncologist. So he works particularly in pediatrics with kids that like 100% of his patients that are diagnosed are, are going to die, right? And I don't know about you guys, but like that's a hard hard profession that it's like if somebody comes to you until there's a cure you like literally know like this child is going to pass away these parents and family are going to be grieving and like he from that kind of got into palliative care which is like end of life care and, and like making comfortable so that families can go through this time you know in a way that it doesn't just like rip the family apart but like I mean talking to him it's like it you don't tell a family like your child has cancer and they're going to die and they're like let the lord's will be done like that is not the reaction you get right so he's had so much opportunity to learn gentleness and he does a ted talk on it so like you can look it up later um but he has this principle that he was talking about in palliative care but i think it's really informative to us as believers and it's it's two words and they've literally changed how I interact with other people. And it's just this lean in. Like in those moments where somebody is sick or somebody is being harsh or somebody is offensive or it's, or it's like a person or people, whatever that looks like for you that you may not necessarily like. And you just want to, he's like instead physically like lean into the situation, right? Choose to lean in. And, and, like, there's different ways to do that. It probably depends on the situation. But, like, going back to when my mom was sick, there were moments where, like, something would happen or, like, y'all, really sick people are not pleasant all the time, okay? It's just, it's hard. But, like, I would stand up and I would just be like, how can I help? And, like, walk towards it. And in walking towards it, a lot of times, like, the Holy Spirit gives you strength and, like, shows you how to how to do this. Or it might look like, you're like at the store and somebody is like letting the person that's checking out the groceries have it. Have y'all ever been there? Like, or like some sales associate and somebody's just like having it. And like, you could totally walk up and be like, this is inappropriate. You're being a jerk. And that's going to go over. I don't know about you guys. Not super well. They're probably not going to be like, thank you. Or you could just like be like, Hey, how are you doing today? How's your day been? You've accomplished the same thing by stopping them yelling the sales associate but one of them was like pretty gracious and they know they were being a jerk but like you've diffused the situation without like embarrassing them and gently and they can now choose to like turn and like not everybody is going to take the opportunity in that situation but there's all kinds of ways where we can like choose to lean in and just be gentle but like still offer the exact same thing we were going to offer just figuring out a way to do it that isn't like harsh or judgmental or just in in someone's face and um 
it's really like changed the way that our family like interacts with everything. It's just two words, like lean in. But like anytime we're we're in a hard situation or like it can be hard with our family, it can be hard on campus or just in life. It's just like taking a second to pause and be like, hey Lord, how can I lean into this? Because like my gut reaction is like what Mario was talking about last night. I'm just like, nah, I don't really wanna do whatever this is. You know, but I can like take a breath and be like, Lord, help me and like choose to lean into the situation. And a lot of times in that in that little moment, it's like the Lord fills us with gentleness and we can lean in and, and interact.